0: Hi! So, I wanted to make a little intro just to quickly introduce today's video. Uh, it was shot, I just took six weeks off posting. This was shot just before that, that, uh, that break, and in my break, I realised what I haven't been doing, which is what I always used to do, which is important, because um, for, for me, that one thing you guys could do for me if you like what I'm doing, which is really easy, really easy! See, there's a little button down there on Rumble that says follow just hit that, just go and hit, go, I'll wait. And you just go and hit that. If you like me, if you don't like me, also do it because it's a massive help. It's a massive help to me, to, to, for you to be following me on Rumble. And I haven't said it on any of the videos. And someone said to me recently, wait, you never ask people to do that. And I, it's important for, um, creators to, to, to mention that and to have a, like a little, you know, what would you say? It's it's weird, I got into the habit, when I was doing YouTube before they took my channel away, which is another reason it's important to follow down there, before they took my channel away, I was really good at telling people about the subscribe and I realised something happened and I stopped doing it. So uh, I feel like I owe it to myself and to the team and to everyone that's helping me make this to, uh, yeah, say, drop us a follow, it's a massive help and it's free and it's easy and it's free and it's easy and it's just down there and go and tickle it, go go and give it a poke. Here we go for today's video. It's about my Hollywood story. Why are you even talking about American stuff? You're not even American. Why are you, you can't even vote. Why are you even saying what you think about the the presidential election? You're not even American. You can't even vote. Actually, actually I am. Actually, actually I am. And look, here at The Absolute Truth, I do my own little snappy thing. See, see, this is, uh, this is how we run things here. This is me doing a, look at me. Very professional. Vacuum cleaner's back. Um, Annabelle suggested I put little eyes on it, and I'm thinking that's probably a good idea. We need a need a name, what? Okay, in the comments, what would you call my new vacuum cleaner buddy? And I've got shorts on. What should this guy's name be? Our co-host. Annabelle said I should put googly eyes on him, but I need a name, a name and a point of view. Perhaps he could be like a woke, liberal vacuum cleaner. Anyway. Welcome to episode four of The Absolute Truth. (sighs) So yeah, I am English. I don't know if you knew that. It's a little bit of a stunning announcement. I'm an English man and um, I have lived in America for permanently for 12 years and then part time, I'm going to say like 25 years. So... I started making records when I was fifteen. Um, I got a record deal out of when I was fifteen, just by sending cassettes off, which is nuts and it's very crazy. Um, and everyone is in my comments like, "You're not even educated." You're right. I don't didn't even finish high school. No exams. Didn't get any GCSEs. Didn't get any O levels. Didn't get any A levels. Zero exams because I left school because I got signed to a record label. I started making music. Uh, The music didn't do very well. And then one day someone was like, wait, the music's good. Your singing is terrible because I'm a terrible singer. Why don't you stop singing? So I stopped singing, made the instrumental music and they started playing it in clubs. People that were going to the clubs happened to be, one guy in particular was the son of a very famous director called Ridley Scott. Uh, Jake Scott was going clubbing. He loved clubbing. He loved my music. So he, because, not because he was the son of Ridley, but he got a film when he was very young uh, with Liv Tyler and the guy from the Train Spotting that film, Johnny Lee Miller. And it was called Plunkett and McLean. And it was set in the 1500s. And he was like, I want the music to be like modern club music, which was a very bold idea uh full marks to him for that and uh so he asked me because he'd heard my music in clubs do you want to do the music I was like well I don't I don't know anything about I wasn't even into films really I just was into music um I'm autistic so it was like a special interest of mine so it's only all the thing I cared about was music um so I said yeah why not like we can we can work out how to do it and uh so yeah I started I did my first music to picture. I loved it. The film came out tanked. No one saw it, no one cared. But all the reviews for the film were like this music is crazy though because it's uh, it's a film set in the 1500s and the music's modern club music. So it started to get noticed, the music, not the film. And <clears throat> that came to the attention of a guy called David Arnold who did the music for all the James Bond films. And he called me up. And said, do you want to work on a James Bond film? I'm like 20, 20, 21. Um, and I was like, oh, okay. Um, so off I trot to Air Studios in London and I do my first Bond film, which was called The World Is Not Enough. Um, and that led on to a series of films happening. Just I just kept getting these big budget and low budget films. Um, and of course, the home of movies, the home of entertainment and culture really is is America. I mean, if you were to say, pick a cultural uh, center point, a cultural hub these days, in many ways, it's like, the, it's like the Roman Empire. Someone once said to me, if I was born in Roman times, I would want to be in Rome because that's where the center of all culture was. That's where it was the most exciting. And for me, America was the most exciting place to be because it was where all these films were coming from. All my favorite music was from America. So I was really excited when I started getting offers to do films out here. And the first film I did with a friend of mine was called The Bone Collector and it was with Denzel Washington. And I came out here for the first time ever We went to New Jersey. They screened the film in New Jersey. Um, So all the audience comes in to watch. They go and watch a normal film. And then as they're leaving, people from the film studio collar them and say, do you want to come and see another film for free? And they're like, yeah, why not? So they get random people in the middle of New Jersey in a blue collar area to go and watch the film. And they score it. They say, this is what I like about the film this is the marks out of 100 for the film. This is a marks out of 100 for the music. This is a marks out of 100 for the Denzel Washington. All the things, they have to score it. And that's how they tell if a film, that's how they judge how much money they're going to spend marketing the film, how unpopular it is. And uh, so, yeah, I ended up in New Jersey. We um, had the screening of the film. And then when we were about to leave, me and my friend Craig, about to leave the... Um, Cinema, and there's Denzel Washington there. He'd been sitting there for the whole time with the director, and uh, they were like, "Do you want to come for dinner?" So yeah, bearing in mind I'm twenty twenty one, and I'm a bit overwhelmed. Never been to America, and then suddenly the first night I'm going out for dinner with Denzel Washington and uh, a really famous producer called Marty Bregman, who allegedly had ties to the mob. So he took us to this crazy restaurant in Manhattan where we literally went through the kitchen at the back. It was all very like, it was overwhelming for me. So I'm sitting there at dinner. They had all the executives, Denzel Washington. Um, that I, f- I think, wait, Queen Latifah was in it. But wait, no, Angelina Jolie was in it as well. She wasn't there that night, but Queen Latifah, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I'm sitting at the table. I'm a bit overwhelmed. I, I'm a bit like autism again. I don't like social situations. This was overwhelming for me. I was like, oh, this is too much. I don't know what to do. So I started to get like, i guess withdrawn and quiet and just sort of didn't want to talk to anyone and uh denzel washington comes out i think he could tell that i was like i was very young and was like freaking out a little bit and he came over and he sat with me and we talked about hip-hop for like an hour and I'll never forget that because he was, he was so cool. It was such an such an amazing thing to do, looking back on it, because he was sitting at the other end. Like he clocked it. And uh, he really wanted me to, like, he was asking me all about England, asking me about my, you know, how I got into it. It was just a crazy thing for him to do. So all this is to cut to um, my first experience of America was amazing. That was my first ever trip here. And then I started to come Again, we did a film called Ocean's Eleven, and I came out here to start Ocean's Eleven with a guy called David Holmes. And they, the film wasn't ready, so that I had two weeks in LA, nothing to do. My friend that did the Bond films calls me up and goes, "I'm in LA at the Fox. I'm working on a film. Do you want to come and work on it for two weeks? It's a mess. They fired the composer. It's super low budget. Um, it's funny." the director is ben stiller he's never done a film before so it's like all over the place but we got two weeks to do the music that film is zoolander so off i go to fox do the music for zoolander in two weeks don't sleep come back Do oceans 11 which was i was using drugs and drinking at the time and i should make a whole video about that experience because that was the craziest experience of my entire life great fun and and so like a it was like all the excesses of rock and roll on a film. Um, and Steven Soderbergh, the director, was amazing. He was like, just have fun, which never happens on a film. He was like, literally, this. here's the film, have fun. And he didn't really interfere. So we had a great time. We just partied and were doing like, I'm going to say drugs, and, um, and doing music. And it was great. So this rolled on and... Uh, led to more films out here. So this is to say that I was spending half my life in Los Angeles and half my life in London from like 25 to 38. And 38 is when I moved permanently. So I always considered America my second home for for all these years. And one time on one of these movie trips, I drove from LA to New York because I just wanted to do it. and I loved the middle of America. Now, I the the people I were working with all were dismissive of mid-America. It was kind of used to really piss me off. They're like, I was thinking, these people are people that are going to see your films and y- you seem to hate them. And the, there was just a disdain for everything between New York and L.A. I never understood it. So I wanted to drive across to get a sense of what it was like. And I thought it was amazing. I loved I People were so much friendlier. It seemed so much more authentic. I loved Texas. I loved... Arizona, New England. I went all over Detroit, Dallas. Um, I just loved the, the the middle, which is to me very different. As a European, I was like, wait, LA is like a different country from Texas. And Texas is like a different country from New York. And New York seems like European. New York seemed quite European to me. Um, yeah, so I loved the, the the diversity and the way you could you know, just travel and go into a completely different world almost. And um, a side note, they stop, they don't test films like that anymore. This was in like 1998. So they used to test films to real working people to see who would want to see it. They don't do that anymore because they spend more time injecting an agenda into films than they do focus group into real people. They focus group to each other, which is why nobody goes to the cinema anymore because the films are getting like becoming irrelevant because people aren't being. Brought in as part of the process. So um, 2008 rolls around. Um, my first marriage was falling apart. We had, um, when I came out of rehab, I stopped, I couldn't do music for a year because it was just too difficult. I just couldn't, I'd forgotten how to do it. So, and we needed to make money. So, we started flipping apartments. She was great at it. And uh, she's Polish, and there's a load of Polish people in London. So, we had a connection to contractors. So we bought a tiny flat in a very posh area in London, and it was literally a hoarder's house. It was decimated, like 800 square foot flat. And while I was in rehab, she gutted it, completely brought it back to the brick. And when I, and when I came out, we started to renovate. So we did that three or four times. It was really it was a really great business, so we would gut these flats tear out the insides make them beautiful and put incredible furniture in like uh, we would buy like we spent everything we had on this incredible furniture and at that time there were a lot of people from the financial world moving to London especially to Hampstead where we were and these guys were bankers and they would come in and just go I want everything I want the flat and I want all the furniture so we were selling the flat and the furniture and marking everything up so we could for for profit so it was our business and it was super successful we did it with four apartments um on the fourth one uh my ex was like this is gonna be the one that's gonna like make a fortune um i really want to go all out with this one i just had this feeling i was like she wanted to spend everything we'd made from the first three on the which was a lot of money on the fourth one and I had my nerves about it, but I was like, okay, it's worked so far, so go for it. And it was all going great. It was all going really great, except the neighbors hated us and they kept trying to sue us. Apart from that, it was going great. Um, and so we had this beautiful flat. We turned this horrible flat into a beautiful flat. We even put another, another floor. It was a top floor flat and we built a whole other floor. Um, so it was a big project. We bought it for a certain amount, put it on the market for like twice as much and people were coming to see it and it was like, okay, thank God, this is going to be great. 2008, does that ring a bell? 2008, credit crunch, market fell down, all the money went away. Uh, so that whole thing fell over. The whole thing fell over. We borrowed money for this flat, all the debts were getting called in. We started arguing. It was a very like... um we were in a band together so it was like we were working together and living together and we were this kind of toppled everything over a little bit because it was just the pressure of this not being able to sell this house and we, we were having problems up to then. but it just became unbearable in the middle of this i get called to go and work on a film called haywire another steven soderbergh film i come out for two weeks this is a long story but i think it's interesting so two weeks we do the first bit of the film and it's got gina carano in it who's a super conservative she was uh, liberal gone super conservative i'm trying to get her on the podcast um so yeah we the steven soderbergh goes okay uh i need to reshoot some of this film because some of the i need to pick up some of the shots because it's not right so you guys um take the weekend i'm gonna go and shoot with gina carano um and when get the scenes together and then you can finish the film so i think he was like let's have four days off so he went had four days off come back he's sitting in the studio going there's a problem okay what is it gina carano's put on a lot of weight a lot of weight that's all he said and uh she doesn't it doesn't match none of the scenes match i don't know how this happened this is a disaster i can't pick up any shots with her because she looks completely different so he basically said, we're going to have a running in a, in, a, in a sauna doing all this like intense work to like, get the weight off so that the shots matched for a few weeks. So just stay. They'd rented us a house. So I found myself in LA with nothing to do. At this point, I was sober. All the people I was working with were big drug takers and big drinkers and big partiers. So I was feeling like, like I wasn't having a great time. Um, And there was the parties going on in the house I was in and I was like going to bed and being all sober and trying to go to meetings. And then I remembered, wait, Hans Zimmer has been trying to get in contact. I'd heard that he'd been trying to get in contact with me on the grapevine because the movie music industry in London is very small. And uh, Hans, I'd heard that he'd been trying to reach out to me. So I thought I'm going to call him because this is unbearable being here, like doing nothing. So I called him up. He said, do you want to come out? And meet for coffee. I want to talk to you about some things. I go and meet him. We get on like a house on fire. Just so similar interests. We're very similar people. Very similar musicians. And he's like, I got. Um, I'm doing a film, a Ron Howard film, and I've written some songs for the film. It's me, Pharrell, um, Haytor, who's a, an incredible um, Brazilian composer. Who else? There was someone else famous in it. I can't remember. Dave Stewart from the Eurythmics and Junkie XL. That was it. Uh, and we got these five songs for this film, and I don't know what to do with them. They're rough. Do you want to? Will you produce these five songs? Just you know, as a see how we get on. So I'm like, okay. So I took the songs away, and I finished the songs, played them to him, and he loved them. He was like, "This is great." I'm not going to use him in the film this is what Hans is like he'll do something like that and then they'll never see that which is kind of cool he just does these experiments and then he puts huge budget experiments like that's a big budget of people to get together and then he's like I just wanted to try it I'm not going to use it but um he was like because of this I want you to come and do this film called Megamind which was the first big one um an animated film do you want to do that and I said yeah um, my life in London's gone to shit I'll I just come here and he goes wait you might as well just move here though because then after Megamind I've got Madagascar and after Madagascar I've got Inception and after Inception I've got Fast and Furious and after Fast and Furious I've got Transformers and after Transformers I've got Paris of the Caribbean and I want you to work on these do you want to move here I was like you know what yeah I do uh, like everything's going bad in London and pff, there was no films being made in London because the 2008 credit crunch hit every film production So I wasn't getting any work with film. So I moved. Long story short, 2010, I moved permanently. And I came out on what they call an O-1 visa, which is a... I like to say this. I love saying this because it makes me sound very, very special but it's not really but it's a it's a person of extraordinary ability Uh, ability. Uh, just saying Um, anyway it's easy to go for easier to go from a visa like that to a green card Um, so I got that visa and I thought I'll get a green card and I think in my head I was like I want to live here I knew I wanted to live here because we have this thing in England that we say people English people either love or hate LA. There's no middle ground. You either love it or you hate it. No one comes to LA and is like, oh, it's all right. Everyone, most people hate it. Uh, I loved it straight away. I loved it. And I had a good group of friends here as well. So one of those friends is important to the story, which I'll get onto. Colleen is important to the story. So I move here. I vaguely know a girl called Colleen uh, who's like, is american but knows lots of english people in la and she goes out with a friend of mine who's a producer for a band called radiohead and so he says his his girlfriend and i kind of knew nigel so i moved here and ended up hanging out with these guys all english people in la which was weird um so one of those parties one of the first parties um i have a friend who's also sober long-term sober and uh I went up to him and I was like, "Oh, you're here. That's good. You know, we can talk about sober things and be sad together." Not sad. It's actually quite I like being sober at parties. It's kind of more exciting to me. Um and he was like, "Oh, there's someone else here who's sober." And they've only got 50 days, 59 days. I was like, oh, "Who is it?" And he goes, "I can't tell you. It's, an, it's anonymous." Which I think is it. he was joking. But anyway, so I'm like, "Okay, someone here is nearly sober." I so Turns out it's Colleen's sister, Laura. Um, so we meet, I don't know how we met at the party. We meet and have this great connection. We start going to AA meetings together because she's newly sober, I'm sober. And that blossoms into a relationship which you we start making content. Now you're probably guys are caught up. 2015 that blows up, blah, blah, blah. End up living here. Two kids who are american now live in it. it's funny for me to think that both of my kids are california kids like it's it's just weird to think that that's it's cool for me because it's everything american is exotic to me and it's still that way like if i meet someone from middle america i'm like oh that sounds super super exotic and I, i'm not one of those people uh, I, i'm not liberal or i was so like the whole thing about the culture of that there i guess you'd call it the the spirit of a frontier spirit and like the gun culture and stuff like that i find all that exciting and interesting and i i appreciate that american culture and american people are, are they're not you they're different they're very different from uh, european people and part of my marriage actually was the process of learning quite how it's weird because we look the same we have the same language but underneath that is a lot of differences a lot of differences between culturally how we are and uh that was a thing that came up a lot in my in my marriage it was like wow you guys so not into that or wow you're into something that we're certainly not into it's just odd things um i think europeans are more we're, we're definitely less we've got less of hang-ups about porn and sex because it's kind of the culture like when i was a kid the, the the newspaper the national newspaper that everyone bought every day the national newspaper all families bought it it's called the sun still going um the sun page three every day different girl topless girl every single day that was so i was brought up with that and so that's how we start as as english people that's that and then i realized that in america it's the the attitude to things like that is way more um it's very different like uh it's just that's just one example and there's lots of other things we even made a video about it called uh english versus american and it went hugely viral and i was like wow this is resonating with a lot of people we did like five of them like just differences between english and american people and people loved it and there's a lot of people were saying oh i'm english and my boyfriend's american or vice versa so it's just interesting um so today i wanted to talk about kind of Annabelle said something on the last episode, which I found really interesting, about um, just the, the history of how America was settled and how it came to be from European immigration. You know, it, it's just really fascinating to me. So I thought we could expand on this and talk about it, because I know a lot of my audience are, are into this whole thing about the differences between American and English, American and European, should we say. And uh, Annabelle, German. Did you know that? Could you tell? So, as I always say, the adult in the room, Annabelle, co host. Co host. That sounds good, isn't it?
1: I love that title, adult in the room.
0: There you go. Adult co host. For once. (laughs) For once. Yeah, see?
1: (laughs) Usually I'm the the baby (laughs) or the clown. Yeah.
0: There you go. Yay, I made it. You have some very interesting points about this whole European American. Difference agenda agenda sounds weird. What would you say? American European
1: style, uh, style. cultural cultural difference. ha- ha- different differences? Yeah, differences. yeah, 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 in
0: culture. yeah. Yeah. So you went on a special course.
1: I did. <laughs> Why? I was gifted, privileged Why did you go on enough. On a special course. Um, when we moved here, so because my ex uh, was working for a big company, so they put it in their starter package to give. <laughs> the new immigrants um, a cultural little rundown on how things work in the US and I loved it it was so good our teacher was amazing she lived in both different um, worlds you know she knew knew the Europeans inside out and also the US culture and she gave us some viable tips and I was so grateful because I literally saw so many other Europeans coming to the US and I don't understand why the Americans they they think I'm rude, but I didn't mean it this way. But right. that cause like released me from yeah. tapping into all these uh, falling into all these little mine uh, minefields. Um, and like leaving a bad impression for us Europeans. Yeah. For example, um, in the previous episode, we talked about you know like a few of those things. But I, when I went home, I was like, oh, I should have mentioned the hug. So there's like this difference in hugging, which right. was part of the cause. She said, you know how those Europeans do the the kisses, the two kisses on the cheek, and a proper hug. Yeah, when you feel the other person's chest. Yeah. you know. Mm. Yeah. And in the US, it's like, no, no, no. You like only do this tap, tap, tap on the shoulder. Maybe one kiss, if at all, better none. Yeah. And only cheek, like no, no lips and stuff like that. Because of that intrusion in the sacred, you know, family unit that the Americans really don't appreciate because it's so, so vital to protect. So, yeah, avoid, avoid too much. (laughs) <laughs> too much. Yeah, England's different. Physical. I
0: think England, definitely European, I've noticed the kissing and the hugging is more pronounced the yeah. further east you go. England, mm-hmm. we're kind of weird. You have to be really close friends with someone and then you do the hug. But if you're not, yeah, England's kind of halfway between America
1: England and England is a whole other story yeah. anyways, because I used to live in England as well. Yeah. I think I shared with yeah. you in London, right? So what I think, the English, um, the their biggest way to... Kind of like keep people in certain groups is with the accents yeah you know with oxford and the you know exactly based on the accent who went where to school and mm-hmm. has the queen's english yeah and if you don't yeah. you know you're like immediately categorized yep. into classes of your where you went to school to yeah. I found that astounding. Yeah. Um, my ex always said, don't you worry. You're like uh, on a completely different level anyways In with Indian, your German say, accent. The minute
0: you open your mouth, a certain <laughs> group a- of people are going to hate you and a certain group of people Correct. are going to love you because yeah. they know exactly where you stand on the...
1: Hierarchical, old money yeah. ladder. It's all about yeah. the old money in England. Absolutely, yeah, and the sense of humor. But that's like a totally class system's
0: story. very strong yeah. in England. Very strong, eh? yeah. But it's not based on money.
1: Old money. Old money, I guess. Old money. Yeah,
0: breeding and mm-hmm. uh, like your. You're, it's based more on your ancestor. A lot of upper class people in England are broke. Yeah. But they're still upper class because yeah. they've got a history of money. The blue blood.
1: Yes. That's what this is all about, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah.
0: A lot of, um, there's a like an epidemic of people trying to like upkeep these stately manor houses with like ancient 20-bedroom houses and they literally don't have any money. And so it's right. like, they're all going to ruin because it's got nothing to do with money. Right. It's crazy. So interesting. Yeah. So now your
1: course, how long was it? How long was it? It was like a week total, seven, huh. seven classes. Okay. Yeah, I'd no, like no homework. <laughs> <laughs> Just show up and like, take notes. Another thing with the uh, American boss culture I right. wanted to mention, and I think that's what that course was about. So my ex can conduct himself when there's like business dinners and whatnot um, is your American boss will always come across as your best friend but he's not don't you dare think he is because he's coming down on your level he might wear a shirt and no tie and say hey guys how's it going but don't you dare correct him especially not in front of anyone else. And that also counts for schools, by the way. When I studied here, I dared to, like, question the professor. And I was like, oh, that rule. I remember I did it. Oh, no.
0: Um,
1: So people, bosses, don't want to be perceived as more stupid or less informed than the employees. And you're never allowed to cross that boundary. And I found that interesting because in Europe, work culture is... You know, when somebody is coming down to, to your level, it's sincere. Mm-hmm. If you're being given freedom, then um, you have the freedom for real, like work. Um, what is it the where you can clock your your time and right. you're being efficient yeah. versus here? Everybody is supposedly to have the f- trust that you don't cheat on the clock and whatnot. But don't you dare take vacation? <laughs> Right. <laughs> it is like a, right. there un, are unwritten rules and laws and it looks all very friendly again. It's like that thing again, but don't you dare take advantage of it.
0: Interesting. It's
1: not even taking advantage. Don't you even dare, um, uh, it's like more like a game. I can't explain it. To, to, to question the facade, to go behind the facade there's something to it though i have to say because i'm a producer as well yeah and i don't like when when people take liberties and they think it's a democracy because in certain work environments you gotta have one person who calls the shots and um you know uh, respect for authority is important yeah yeah but then again when it comes to the government that's very different again. Yeah.
0: I noticed when I first moved here one thing that really struck me, I don't know if this is an LA thing, but in England like if you have um like the people that like accountants, lawyers, people lot on the more professional side, they they cut off at 6. You can't call anyone after 6. Like that's that's you you just can't do it. Mm-hmm. But in America, I would call my when I first moved here my accountant and she'd be like at 12 o'clock at night she'd yeah. be on, on and i was like, i realized that working life here is way more hours way more hours than in england
1: yeah
0: it's so interesting like people don't they're always working there's not the hit, not the set hours so much
1: it's a little bit of a game as well right because imagine like um when the pressure is constantly on with that few vacation times like you remember vacation time in uh, Europe it's much longer and people literally plan their the other half of the year to do family stuff and here the work cultures have 20 days or whatever and that's about it it's a it's a it's a cultural thing because then you know very often people sit at work at the computer look busy you know yeah anymore, but then they're on facebook or yeah. instagram yeah yeah Yeah. just yeah. To like have time to so you always you appear as eager busy ready to go and that comes in the end of the day also from the labor laws and the higher and fire culture so the labor laws in europe are a lot different you're yeah. protected and yeah. here it's like if you don't if you're not the best go. yeah there's always more, like a yeah. hundred people waiting for your spot yeah but that's why it's also i mean there's pros and cons to to running a business with this motto, because if you have a more cutthroat environment, you, yeah, it's pros and cons to both.
0: It's more competitive here, for sure. Yeah, you create differently as well. Yeah.
1: And the thinking is bigger. I feel, uh, not feel, I know for sure that Americans think completely out of the box which I love so very much as a German in particular where everything's oh don't dare to dream.
0: Yeah and in England they do this thing where um if you're successful in England they want you to fail. Yeah. They want to cut you down. If you've got a really nice car someone will scratch it with a key. Yeah. They don't have that here. The tall poppy syndrome is not so much. the opposite. They appreciate it. Why? Yeah.
1: Uh, uh, Europeans who have the opportunity to experience both, I think, really appreciate it here. Yeah. Because I do that like limit that. is gone. Yeah. And the jealousy is yes.
0: reduced. They applaud success here a lot yeah. more than yeah. in England, for sure.
1: Yeah.
0: I wonder if the, 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 another thing that I think really affects America in terms of like working and the whole thing is the fact that there's no, there's no free healthcare. you have to work people like the the, one of the things that really did blew my mind when i came here people take their health insurance as part of their pay package as like an important so in england you say oh i make this much a year at my job yeah and that's it but here it's like i make this much a year, but i get health insurance it's all kind of put in
1: but wait a second i think we should do an extra episode on the whole healthcare theme because this is so deep in Germany, supposedly that's supposed we have, we have fantastic healthcare. However, between four and seven hundred Euros a month go to healthcare. So it's not free. I know that. It's yeah. a big drain on the pocket. Versus here in America, there is Medicare, which is for low income families free so there is a free healthcare service and i'm not prepared for this discussion today but i think we should look into this because is there? yeah I didn't know that. there's medicare for people who are on welfare they get wow. medicare i didn't know that yeah not everybody maybe i think this country is very much geared for single moms
0: right okay
1: to you know if you have like minor dependents and all of that that features but it's there is free healthcare for people it's probably crappy right Right. because you have to wait a long time but there is at least an option
0: you have to wait a long time in england for any
1: And you have to wait a long time in germany as well if you don't have a private insurance
0: right yeah it's the same
1: yeah we should look into this and really compare it because the narrative and the fuss that is being made about obamacare and this and that we should like really examine that i think it would be interesting yeah healthcare is a good one I want to talk about the Nazis in America.
0: Yes, please. We always <laughs> like to talk about the Nazis <laughs>
1: because this is a conspiracy, you know. Yeah. Let's call it, what it is. Or it's we're rumble. Yes. Yeah. Rumble. Uh, and anything war and conspiracy related. When it comes to Europeans, I mean, I think we all know with the origins and the the first settlers and all of that. But I find. In particular, the Nazi history, very interesting when it comes to the Europeans in America. Interesting. And I want to mention one more thing uh, that relates to that. When I arrived in America, I'm from a generation where because of World War II, you know, as from early on, fifth grade, every year in history, we would go into these intense um you know, Holocaust, World War II uh, history lessons every year, every new semester. It was always about World War II and and really dealing with the history. and and I can say I'd, I truly carried an inbuilt guilt complex with me. Both of my grandparents were involved. It was right. that generation, right? And my grandma was very bitter. She was too young to know better and by the end of the war too old to get away with having been a a Bund Deutscher Mädchen, which was kind of like the YMCA for the Hitler Youth. Wow. Right. And okay. she was like a leader, but it started when she was 12 and it was right. over when she was whatever, like 16, 17. So did she
0: have repercussions
1: about that? Oh after? my goodness. Uh, not Well, she could never talk about it again. Right. Imagine if that was your pride and joy of yeah. your life and everything yeah. you've done and you were in the handball team and la la la. And your husband was like a low, whatever, ranking soldier right he was he had a brown uniform right he was a nazi soldier what do you talk about right yeah it was on a few uh, occasions i know she did not despise hitler but it was never talked about when i was a teenager i challenged her sometimes um to find out more she didn't want to talk about it but would make like a very very bitter Hostile comment about that. Not everything that Hitler did was bad, right. and I think it was to justify, yeah, to, to be alive in this yeah. time. And well, they were in a
0: propaganda state. The stuff they were been given, was absolutely, the, yeah, I can totally see it. And I, mean- I can
1: only recommend. There's a recording. Maybe you should put it in here. The Nuremberg Reichstag meet. Uh, the Nuremberg meeting. Hitler speaking to the youth, to the German youth. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, that Leni Riefenstahl, the famous German filmmaker, filmed it. So it's like the mega propaganda piece. And you see all these, like what moved me so deeply when I watched that, to see those kids in their starched uniforms and their hairstyles, you know, like with that Hitler hairstyle and, and stuck on, no hair sticking out. And their eyes were sparkling when he spoke to them that they are the hope and the future of the country. And, you know, you're like 11 years old and you think this is all true. And the guy, you know, he was a trained performer. Hitler was given acting lessons to really bring the pint
0: across. I mean, he was an incredible like speaker
1: he was yeah
0: i mean it's insane and obviously i don't obviously i'm completely against everything he ever stood for but if you just take out the message and just watch right i can see why people were so like enthralled by it
1: trained to do it i also want to throw in here you know the germans and their fame with being technically versed put yourself for a second in a world where there was never a radio never a tv and never the beatles right never a mega rock Mm. band and concerts and what you experience right. no hollywood nothing and it's the first time after you come out of you know you like the streets are littered with littered the, the streets are full of world war one veterans with like missing jaws cool. and like in little carts without legs and there's no health insurance and the country is like um poor and and um you know feels what was it last word um, when you like disrespected no but it is another word Oppressed? No, when you're ashamed, when you're made to be feel like you're the sore loser and the stupid, like the... Oh, right. Ridiculed. Really ridiculed, killed, yeah. Right.
0: And wasn't Germany, uh, like, economically in a terrible state?
1: Exactly. Yeah. So in comes that um, fire dragon and has the Volksempfänger, you know, the propaganda machine for the very first time in the world with the technical... Um, Expertise of the German that put it into every household, right? Oh, Think about the excitement of the technical wonder. A voice coming out in your living room. And then the only voice that's coming out there is Adolf Hitler telling you what's up.
2: Jugend. Nach einem Jahr kann ich euch hier wieder begrüßen. Ihr seid heute hier in diesem Muschel nur ein Ausschnitt dessen, was außer ihr über ganz Deutschland steht. Und wir möchten nun, dass ihr, deutsche Jungens und deutsche Mädchen, in euch all das aufnehmt, was wir der und von Deutschland hoffen. Wir wollen ein Volk sein. Und ihr, meine Jugend, soll dieses Volk nun werden. Wir wollen einst keine Klassen und Stände mehr sehen. Und ihr dürft sie in euch schon nicht mehr groß werden lassen. Wir wollen einst ein Reich sehen und ihr müsst euch schon dafür erziehen. Wir wollen, dass dieses Volk einst gehorsam ist und ihr müsst euch in dem Gehorsam üben. Wir wollen, dass dieses Volk einst Fried lieben und aber auch tapfer ist und ihr müsst friedfertig sein. Ja. And once again, Germany speaks to the world from the Nazi party rally, not only with the voice of her politicians, but with the swinging rhythm of a mighty show. And more than 50,000 girls of the youth corps. Turn the giant Zeppelin stadium into a field of human poppies.
1: And then you have those gatherings, because now you can gather people, and they are there standing like so many people uh, for the first time having these mega mass events and mm. loudspeakers and the technical know-how, yeah. you know, and film and all of that at the same time. And they there there's, you know, reports all the women, you know, were an integral part because he was kind of like the first rock star, pop star right. as well. And nobody wanted to leave. They were like screaming in ecstasy yeah. and people peed right there wow. because they didn't want to leave and miss anything. Wow on the spot so just think about that for the first time we forget
0: yeah how how powerful this is so i don't know why you could ever um i don't uh, i don't see why if you were a kid and that was going on that cult of personality was around you how could you not you couldn't not
1: There were some who did not like the vice. There were many resistance movements, the the White Rose. um, And these were the youth, right? Right. Who was like doing little flyers, handing it out. And they were executed. Yeah, The um, Sophie Scholl and the Scholl family. Oh, man, it's making me actually emotional. Um, And many others. um, But obviously, they were against the, the way the system was built. Anyways, cut a long story short, as a German, in my generation, we were... Very, 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 very much educated about this again and again and had this inborn guilt complex. Um, and wherever I went, like in England already, I was like, oh, don't mention the war. Monty Python, <laughs> yeah. there was, you know, always just like, ah, the Germans. Um, a, we should
0: we should definitely put in i'll send you a clip don't this mention classic the war. where that comes from that comes my from in-laws a, 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 first
1: a, comment yeah. from the granddad yeah. who is an englishman yeah. said oh a german don't mention, don't the, mention war. the war yes. Do you,
0: have you ever seen that show where of it comes course from? Oh i
1: love british Hysterical. comedy so much anyways towers. exactly faulty towers so coming to america so i was prepared to be hated especially with a large Jewish community. I've never met any Jewish people in Germany. Do you know that? Only at drama school for the first time when we had a Holocaust survivor coming in there and holding a speech about rescuing children. So when I came here, I was totally prepared. Oh, here comes the German hatred again. But people were so different for the first time in my life. They were like, oh, what's your problem? Relax, you know, like I have a German grandma, I have an Oma, I have an Opa. So I found out that there's 17% um, uh, of the of the Americans have German descent in them, like uh, of German right. descent. Interesting. So they released me, the Americans released me of that. Oh, feeling bad just being German wherever I go and like yeah I know I know and also my especially my Jewish friends I um, went to the Strasbourg um, Strasbourg I worked with graduates on a play and directed them and there was a bunch of Israelis they were so sweet like Israelis that had moved here and work here and all of that and that that was a real important time in my life to see that the story we are being told there here in america it all kind of dissolves yeah it's it's way more healed and but then again you know the the history with the slavery here so it's yeah it's just the american thing don't hold on too long
0: yeah did you you naturalized aren't you that's what they call it yeah yeah I'm Me citizen. too. Yeah, I remember when you had your ceremonies recently. Right? Yeah, yeah, recently. That was crazy. Mm-hmm. That was crazy. With all the little American flags.
1: Yeah, mine was <laughs> not good. Was it not? No. Oh, no. Yeah, what happened it was to you? It's such a disaster. It took forever. Yeah, mine forever too. Forever and ever. It was just looking, man, this is America. The line goes around and there's like families with children, grandmas and no chair, no nothing. Right. And people literally like one centimeter at the time and i was i felt so bad for all the old people yeah no chair no no water nothing
0: (gasps) the test that they would give you to know about american things i'd asked various american people those questions and none of them could answer the questions and they were like i can't believe you have to know that i can't believe i passed it either Uh, i'm sure they i don't know congratulations i don't know if i did i reckon (laughs) that the guy gave me a a
1: yeah they were good I appreciated it, actually.
0: I didn't know anything about that. You know what's interesting?
1: I was supposed to have my um, test before COVID happened. And I was like, I don't know anything because I was never interested in politics. And because I had, you know, signed off on politics a long time ago when I was a teenager looking at newspapers, thinking this is all a smokescreen. Like now I have a thousand more questions. Right. reading this article than i had before yeah. and when i start looking and we didn't have google at the time you know then i find all these gates where the information is hidden so mm-hmm. whatever I, I read books you know i follow my information in a different way
0: yeah
1: anyways why did i come up with this
0: a little funny story i've got is uh i went to the american embassy to get my green card mm-hmm. so um They give you two green cards, they give you a conditional green card which Mm -hmm. is if you get arrested or whatever you're hoofed out and then that goes to a permanent green card. That changeover I had to go to England, you can't get it in America, you have to be in your country. So I flew from, now I was in the middle, I just started working with Hans and I was in the middle of a film, my second film with him so I really wanted to do a good job. In the middle of it I had to fly back to England so we were working on a different time zone. And uh, I was in limbo for like three or four weeks. And I was like, my marriage is gone. My flat isn't selling. I'm stuck in. And I was staying with a friend of mine that I used to have, be in a relationship with. And that was weird. <laughs> Everything was weird. And I was like, um, if I don't get this green card, my whole life is fucked. Because I, yeah. I lose the film. I have to be back here. Nothing's here. Um, so it was all really, there was a real high stakes. That mm-hmm. I got this super high stakes. And Yikes. one day I'm walking through the park. I get a I get an email. I'm I literally emailing my immigration guy every day. You're like, what's going on? What's going on? I get an email. Um, Good news, it's done. You can fly back uh, on Monday, but you need to go to the embassy and to get your passport stamped. Mm-hmm. Same thing. Massive line mm-hmm. in the middle of London, the American embassy. Huge lines, and I was, got there at like 7 a.m. and I got my ticket, and my ticket was like 406 or something. <laughs> so I go and sit in the waiting room. The number is. 20 so I'm like four hundred six twenty. 20 okay 20 21 22 23 24 406 it goes from 24 to my number and I'm like this is bad there's no way this is good uh-huh. like if it goes directly to my number forget it there's no way that this is good so I sort of go in thinking okay something's up like this why do they want to see me so quick Turns out the guy was a huge Hans Zimmer fan. He's like, oh, I just wanted to say, yeah, I just wanted to say hi. What film are you working on? So that was my, so like, that was amazing entry. Like that was the first, like when I'm like, I live here. i got my green card. That was a really nice little entry. But yeah, it was, I thought I was going to be there all day. It was just lucky that this guy happened to be a film music fan. Yeah, but. You're kinda kind of lucky anyway yeah. with
1: all your stuff that's going on. It's with the, all the good and the bad and the ugly. and yeah. the, um, But there's also a lot of good that's coming your way. Yeah. Um, so when I did pro, uh, pre-COVID lockdown and all of that, no idea about how the American system and Senate and this and that works. I looked at those questions. No, I don't know anything. Yes. But then COVID happened, right? Lockdown, our meeting, our interview got postponed for actually two years. And because I had too much time on my hand, as so many other Americans too, to do (laughs) research, I, over the political aspect, you know, when it was this whole like, wait a second, wait a second, something's fishy. You know, I was one of those people who started doing research. Wait a second, wait a second. And so I, through the COVID lockdown and um, George Floyd and all of what happened there in history was like, okay, this is the time where I have to educate myself about America and how it all works. And then when I just recently, you know, found, hey, so last time my interview was scheduled, um, that was two years ago, and then lockdown happened. Can we reschedule? So I revisited all these questions, and I knew pretty much all oh, of them. Oh,
0: so you yeah you've <laughs> because your... I
1: took an interest. Wow. <laughs> yeah, but not via via the you know old school um, ways, but with what we had before the cancel culture went haywire with with google there was still i literally saw the internet locked down at yeah. google in particular yeah. and all these pressing storylines that weren't adding up with my uh common sense
0: yeah yeah, yeah we, we had a good to uh, at some point this week maybe tomorrow maybe the day after i'm going to show you my interview with conservative ant which was amazing yesterday we were talking about that and just how yeah how your you're shutdown, we were talking about this, the shutdown of certain avenues, especially on Google, mm. and it's true. Yeah. It was
1: horrifying to see it. Go down you know wait, that was still available? Right. Not available. Not available. Yeah. <laughs> You've done a down-load. lot
0: recently, haven't you, with the researchers? All the time. Yeah. But it's
1: already over. There's no yeah. more stuff available right. even. You know, when I started there was like twenty twenty, there was still so much stuff openly available. Right. No problem. Like archival old videos of controversial topics and I did
0: duck duck go is better. Yeah.
1: And then bad. there's Yandex and blah blah blah. Huh. Another another
0: episode. Yeah. This time we're speaking
1: about Europeans and America.
0: I don't want to. Uh, I don't <laughs> want to go down the. Uh, I'm scared of the d- people like the. Don't want to go down the where? The, the The idea of the dark web is terrifying to me. I would never because that's a, that's available for. I know you can buy drugs there. I know Just buy drugs.
1: you can you can order a that's murder a there. There.
0: Really, of I, I won't go anywhere Snuff near stuff. for the drugs
1: stuff. Oh, you stay away from
0: that. No, yeah, but do oh. you ever have to go there for research? No. You, uh, I mean, yeah. Now, I have, to, now I have to.
1: Now I have to for our episode. Wow, nuts! Happy to do it. Yes, but I'm also freaking out be a little careful. bit. Be careful, yeah. Yeah. That web.
0: Guys, we did it. We did another episode of episode change. Wait. was episode four. Wait. Um, there's going to be a lot more episodes coming. We're picking up things. Pick things are picking up. Things are picking up. Lots of interesting things going on as you're going to see. But until tomorrow. Love you guys. Bye.